Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Hello, welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are in Mark chapter 9, verse 42. And Dr. Rick Hunter and myself will go for it, and he is prepared and primed. So please read that for us. All right. We're beginning at verse number 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin... Cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Okay. We want to make clear that, that, that God... And the the Bible here is not teaching uh, mutilation, self-mutilation. That is far from it. What it is telling us here is the importance of applying the life of Christ, the word of Christ to our life over and above our our penchants for for physical pleasure and going to the physical extreme in something. In other words, if our... If, if, if we keep looking at the wrong stuff, whatever that stuff is, and it is infecting the way that we think about God and ourself, you know, and the situations around us, we need to take our eyes somewhere else. Here it says, God is out. The, the reference is to put your eyes somewhere else. Don't let that be the thing that destroys you. And if you know you keep looking <laughs> into the wrong windows, go somewhere else. Don't put yourself in that situation or make, help somebody be accountable for it. Uh, and the same with your hand or your foot. You find yourself continuing to walk toward the wrong kinds of things. Then you need to ask yourself, you know what? I don't need feet, but not taking your feet off. I need to relearn how to walk and where to walk. And it could include, you know, um, like your hands and stuff like that. Maybe there are friends that you have that are not, they're not bad in themselves, but they're bad for you. You know, and it may be that it's better without them going forward. It's not, you don't have to worry about talking about it. It's just the fact that they're not good for you or you're not good for them. You know, and so... There's certain things that you have to limit yourself on or be willing to limit or let God help you see and cut off in your life if you want to go forward. We all probably have met people that keep complaining about 
a situation, circumstances, uh, or somebody and stuff like that, and you ask yourself, well, why don't you just let them go or, or leave them alone? You know, and, and then you're in for, you know, a 30-minute thing of at the end of it. You, what did you say? I, we're back to the same point. You know there's a problem. You can't control it. You tried to do this. You're through. You know, you're in therapy. You're this, that, and the other. What's the problem? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. Do you think that you have to have this problem in your life to feel like you are alive? He says, there's a lot of drama there in that. But he says that um, whoever causes one of these little ones uh, who believes in me to stumble. Uh, and in other words, he said, don't become, don't be a snare to anyone else in what you do and don't let anyone snare you. you know, so when you feel like you're being sucked in, He's saying, okay, that's when you need to stop. Don't, don't get all the way to the end, end of the thing before you realize, you know, that was a bad deal. Well, you knew that going, you know, in the beginning. Uh, and then don't trip other people up. And we hate it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, when, when people trip up the kids, sometimes we'll allow, you know, adults, well, you've grown enough to know this, then the other. But when people start messing around with kids, yeah, you know, kids. Th that's when you want to jam them up real quick because the child doesn't know, you know. Right. And, 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 and what you're doing is going to mess up their ability to understand reality or it may put them in a trick bag that it takes them several years to get out of. You know, and it's not fair, you know, right. to, to them because they're depending on you to lead them the right way. And so the, the thing of cutting off, unfortunately, in biblical times, they, they had other kind of realities around them. You had certain diseases and stuff like that. It's not like today where they're going to go to the hospital and, and patch it up and even put you back together. Um, then it may have been, well, you're going to suffer through it till this falls off and then you die. And then you know, this happens. And so he's teaching them that this thing of persecution and suffering comes along with Christ. And don't uh, think of persecution in a, in a big, huge way. Um, globally, we see it. But, but think about going through stuff so that I can be right. I, I, I can learn how to be. I can learn how to be a right person in the situation. I can learn my emotions or I can learn how to read people and circumstances or either I can realize that I have to, I, I need to contribute something better in it or I need to clean up something uh, in myself and be willing to do it. Um, one quick note about the text. If you are reading the NIV, it sounded like he inserted a verse. He, he didn't. There are manuscripts that have the wordage in verse 48, also in 44. But there are also a lot of old manuscripts that do not have what we call verse 44 at all, but put it down at 48 only. So he wasn't inserting it and repeating it. If you read different versions, they're, they're using different groups of manuscripts. That's all it is. And there's not one version that'll take you to hell and others that'll take you to heaven. They're fine. They're fine. Uh, but just be aware. We intentionally use the, the versions that we use in our personal study. And they happen to be two different ones. Uh, but we, bo both of them are great versions. Uh, once again, which one is yours? Uh, New King James. The New King James. Thought so. Mine is the NIV. I also like the New Revised Standard Version. The New American Standard Bible. I... Not so far a huge fan of the English Standard Bible, but I could be wrong. Uh, you also have the Common English Version. You've got the NLT. What is that? The 
New Living Translation, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So just you get a translation, not a paraphrase. A paraphrase would be like good news for modern man. Get Get and have one of those if you wish to read alongside, but realize it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. Anyway, I wanted to do the textual thing. Um, I want to uh, affirm what you've said. There are mentally ill people that have read this and then have cut off limbs, thinking this is, you know, um, this is what God has intended. If you can cut off your hand, you can make your hand stop doing what it was doing. You can cut these people out of your life. Uh, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this, Rick. Somebody goes through rehab, and whether the state paid for it or they bankrupted themselves, they get out of it, they're clean, and they go right back to the same street, same friends. Mm-hmm. I know people that have been through rehab four times and are back on the street because they didn't cut these people out of their lives. They didn't cut this thing. Um, Kelsey Grammer who is a white actor who did, he was in Cheers, um, and then he had his own series, Frasier, mm-hmm. for a long time. And if I understand correctly, he's got Frasier coming back on one of these little channels. You don't need to know who he is. If you're from overseas and you don't know the name, but here he is, a powerful, well-loved actor uh, who makes a lot of money, and he was addicted to cocaine. And years ago, this is decades ago, he got clean, and he has stayed clean. But he's very upfront about it. He says, I wake up in the morning thinking about cocaine. During the day, I crave cocaine. When I go to bed at night, it's the last thing I think about. I have to put distance between me and cocaine. And so he will not be friends with anybody who does drugs. He will, he will lose jobs if the director and the Hollywood group uses drugs because he will not work on that set. So he has done this. He has cut that out of his life. So I don't know if he's a good man or not, but he made a good choice, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just I want to bring up a guy. Um, the books are still in print. William Bacchus, and it looks like Bacchus, B-A-C-K-U-S, was a um, psychiatrist, long ago retired, but he worked in a system of choice. And I'll, I'll use an illustration. Uh, He had a man that said he was addicted to strip clubs. Uh, And again, we don't know if you know the vernacular in the country you're in. This is a club where you go in and women take off their clothes. So it's not a place for Christians. And the man came in for counseling on his standard appointment. And he said that he had failed that week. That he'd driven by a strip club and he couldn't help it. He went in. Well, Bacchus did two things to him. He pulled out an atlas because we back then we didn't have it on our phones. Uh, it was something that you could um, you, you, you could open up. And he said, "Why did you take that road? There are other roads. You chose to go down that road." And then he does this whole thing with him, and I can't do it here because we don't have that kind of time. Where he talks about automatic processes in the bi- in the body versus voluntary, and there are medical names for these we won't use. But he's saying to stop your car, think of all the choices you had to make. You had to indicate, you had to turn, you had to apply the brakes, you had to change the gear to park, set the parking brake, you had to get out of your car. I said, all of these are conscious choices. It's not like digesting over your food or blinking. It's not automatic. 
you made those choices. And he, and he puts it right back on you. You choose what you do with your hands, with your eyes, with your feet. You're not helpless. And I think of him every time I read this. Um, I'd like to talk about this quotation from Isaiah 66. The worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. When I was a boy, I was taught what that meant was um, the torture of hell never ends. I would just like to bring up a little commercial here. Gary McDowell, in one of our most recent voices of our Safe Harbor Church, which are, are posted on Fridays on our YouTube channel, did a, I think it's 16 minutes, so it's really short except uh, um, accessible, a, a talk called An Alternative to Hell. Have a listen. I think I did a six-part series maybe two years ago on Monday Morning Message. So you can go to the website, go to YouTube. Now, those of you that aren't really great on your computers, when you go to Our Safe Harbor Church and you click on videos, don't go to the top bar to search. Down here, you'll see a little magnifying glass. That search is only on the site. Put in the word hell, it'll come up. In short, I do not believe that the Bible teaches that hell is an eternal torture pit for billions and trillions of years. I believe it's a refining fire. I don't believe everybody goes to heaven, but I think a lot more go than we think. Uh, I think some can choose to be annihilated because they're not going to hold on to Christ. But this is a fire that refines. In fact, look at verse 49. And you didn't read that part because we had so much to talk about. In my version, it says, everyone will be salted with fire. What does yours say? Is it the same? Uh, everyone will be seasoned, yeah. Seasoned, fire. yes. Seasoned. <clears throat> All of us need correction. But does that mean everybody goes to hell, like the Catholic doctrine of purgatory? No, but that said, I understand how they came up with purgatory because it answers some questions that the Bible leaves open. I'm not sure it needed to be done the way they're doing it. Um, so anyway, I'm going to check my time here. Gotcha. Um, everybody will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. I sure hope your version reads clearer than that. <laughs> Would you read that yeah, for me? It, it, it kind of jumps off on the side here. <clears throat> salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will, you, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Okay. I'm, I got to go to science. I'll let you go to theology. All right. Okay. Salt is what we call in science a positive force. That means you have to factor if salt is present, present anywhere in the system that you are measuring, examining, doing an experiment on, you have to account for the salt. And there are many forms of salts. Lithium is a salt. There are many forms of salt. But you also have to factor if there is no salt because salt is not neutral. No salt is neutral of all the different salts. And there are many biochemical salts, not just the sodium chloride that we put on our food. Salt being a positive force means if it is there, it changes things. And if it is not there, we need to notice that too. So, simplest way for non-scientists, I tell people, uh, what do you want salt on and what do you not? 
And the fact is, we all have opinions. None of us, I don't think, want salt on our ice cream or want salt in our Mm -hmm. coffee. But we want it on our beans. And sometimes we want it on meat or french fries or something like this. Mm -hmm. It, It always changes things. Jesus wants us to be the people that change things. We don't have to cut off limbs. What we do is we change things merely by being there. There's a Dutch expression, and I don't know it in Dutch. I used to years ago, that when there's an awkward silence in a conversation, somebody will say, and a minister walked by. (laughs) Because there are some things you don't talk about when the minister's walking by. We're to be the people that change what people say and how they say it merely because we've walked in the room and remind each other, be salty. All right, that's the science side of things. Do you have a... Do you have other things you could inform yeah. us about? The, um, the terminology of, of salt, when, in, when we pick it up, uh, um, we are the salt of the earth. It, it, it keeps coming up. Yep. Uh, um, the, the usage of it is because of the technical side or the, um, the component side of it. You did. <laughs> that's the greater, the greater weight of it because salt is doing that. But when you look at salt as... Um, a theological tool, then it becomes the thing of what does it do? Salt preserves. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, whatever salt, um, before we had refrigerators, there were ice boxes, but then before all of that, you would salt meat. That's probably the beginning of high blood pressure and a, <laughs> and a lot of coronary things well, right, at right there. At least it kept you alive long yeah, enough to have it. Long yes. enough to have it and uh, made things taste pretty good. E- yeah. Even now at certain restaurants, you can order country ham. Yep. And when you get it, you expect to have a little more salty twang right. to it. And people that like that want that, yep. uh, you know. Um, and so it, because salt preserves. And so, and they salted different things or pack it in salt or whatever it is because that's what it does. It, it allows the longevity, it allows it to, to stay right. And then salt also adds flavor. Um, and it so does. many people, many people, and maybe some of you do this also, um, when you sit down at the table, you know, after you say your prayers and everything else that you do, before you even taste your food, the first thing you do is reach for the, the salt. And um, and I can remember flashbacks in my mind, my, my mom looking at us to see if we were going to taste the food before, you know, before we put the salt, taste it, for, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And then um, and then you have others that once they taste it, you know, they going to salt. Now, if you're not, you know, if you've been through the the doctor side of it, and you realize you're trying to stay away from salt, and you're looking at other people that are doing yep. this thing like here, you know, you, you start praying for them already. <laughs> and Lord, have mercy on them. They're, you know, they're going to die. And, and, uh, and, yeah. uh, but, but it flavors. Uh, and, um, and so we like it. And there's certain foods that we can't hardly eat if we don't have some salt uh, around. Even when your doctor says, okay, cut it out. We know to cut it out. Um, but then there are certain foods, if we're going to eat them, we say, okay, I'm not going to put salt on anything else, but I got to have it on, on this because it adds flavor. And so to the individual life, salt has a tendency to help flavor you so that when you come around, as you move through others, other situations, that you are more palatable or that you, uh, you allow yourself to become better at uh, doing things. A lot of times it's not, it's not the way it people see you is how you see yourself on the inside and how you project out. 
All right. And the other and the other and of course, a lot of times this is people looking at you and you decide whether you're going to adjust or whether you need to adjust or what the situation is. So it all has flavor. And then it also um, purifies. It does. Uh, um, salt, salt purifies. To some measure. And, and yeah. again, it's all about, as, as you were saying, how much salt does it need? Mm-hmm. And if you, at a certain level, it preserves. At a certain level, it purifies. In fact, have you ever heard that sometimes armies would salt the ground so that no crops could crops grow? Crops would grow. That's exactly right. But if you salt a little bit, mm-hmm. it helps the crops to grow. grow. And so it's all... I mean, every day it's a measuring. It, it's a. It's not simple. Mm-hmm. You have to decide how, what do I do here. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing to do here? You know, yeah. if I walked into a room, I'm supposed to change it because salt is now in the equation. Right. That's, yes. Exactly. Um, but if I walk into the room screaming, "You'd better be listening to Jesus, or you're going to burn forever," that's too salty. Mm-hmm. That's uh, they're all going to spit me out of the mouth. They are mm-hmm. going oaf. So we have to do it in measure, wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves, as scripture says. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think I interrupted you. I don't mean oh, to. No, the, the thing of salt, um, one of the ways, other than, because most of us attach salt with food, and as, as you had talked about, salt shows up in other kinds of minerals and different things like yeah. that. But one thing we tend and they still do it today, just as much as I remember. Sometimes when you have a doctor's visit, and with all the stuff that they do, when you know when they send you home and say, "Okay, you don't need this and the other," you know, just get a, a glass of warm water, put a teaspoon of salt in, and then gargle, yeah. gargle with that three times. And, you know, and so you, you're not prescribed anything other than what's at home, and you gargle with it, and it helps, you know, to settle, you know, your mouth down and do everything that it, it needs to do. Creates an alkaline base instead of an acidic base. Acidic base. Yeah. And so it, um, that's the kind of thing that, that needs to come out of this. And Christians, even when you're on a roll as a Christian and you're doing really good, you always have to be aware of this thing of salt. And oh, I love that. That was just really well phrased. <laughs> I tell you, go with it. Keep going. You, know, you, you have to be, because being, being what God needs you to be in the world at a particular time costs you as a Christian, it costs you something. It does. You, you see, you, you just don't wake up, you know, everything is right with, with, the, with the world. Because just like when the one with the, with the issue of blood, when he touched Jesus, he said, I, I realize virtue of God. Adam. When you roll through the day with Christ, you're rubbing up against all kinds of people. You're moving in this world that's working against you. And it costs that that's a cost mm-hmm. on your body to keep your 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 spirituality straight, your hope straight, your vision straight, your goal, your passion, your your love, your heartiness. You know, it, it costs something, and so you got, that has to be recharged. It has to be constantly looked at, or either you'll end up in a situation writing a check that you thought the money was in the bank, you know, to cash, but it wasn't because you went. You've gone through the day and hadn't charged yourself. There you go. And so it's important, um, as we talked about at the beginning, uh, I guess, of the lesson from last week, is, is that Jesus was constantly getting the people around him, you know, a, away, get, get, getting them away, getting them out. And, and that's important for you. To, it's, it's important for a family. Uh, um, 
and and really for a family, even with all the hard work it does to provide and do everything you do, there still needs to be be time away, even in the in the environment, and especially in corporate uh, environments. So much money is moving through so many corporations now. They figure money solves the issue and makes mm -hmm. it doesn't. And all you have is a, a lot of people that are paid well that are running down the hill or running a part of a country down the hill in the wrong direction because it doesn't. You know, and so that's important. Uh, and then the, the realization that I want that in my life. I want that, you know, to be. Um, it is important because sometimes you, you run up on people that, that are there that are going to take advantage of you if you let them. Yep. You know, they're just waiting on you. You know, and then there's others that you need to help, you know, and you know that, that you're going to have to really walk them through the help process, you know, and then they'll let you help them, you know, and, and it's draining. But, but that's, that's the, that is where Christianity, the rubber of it, meets the road. You know, it's not arguing with somebody about, is that unleavened bread in there or did you get that cracker out the box? <laughs> you know, and, and we go one way with it, but what I'm saying is, you, you know, if you're, if you're somewhere, caught somewhere, and this is what the situation is, you know, you, you go with your spirit and what the Lord wants. There you, you go. Know? And this is always a balancing act. I'll give you one anecdote. Um, we've, we've still got about 11 minutes left in our segment um, John D. Rockefeller was a very, very famous multi-multi-millionaire back in the day in America. He was famous for being, I think, America's richest man at the time. Um, he would have been a multi-billionaire today. But he also um, was famous for being really cheap. <laughs> I mean, he didn't waste a nickel. Um, in fact, if you wanted to make a phone call from his house, he had a pay phone you had to use. But he used to, when he would take people out to see if he wanted to hire them, he'd take them out to eat. And if they salted their food before they tasted it, they didn't get the job. He said, you, you made an assumption. And if you make an assumption about that, what other assumptions are you making that will cost me money? Now, I don't want anybody on the planet to say, I need to be like John D. Rockefeller. The point here is, we tend to walk into rooms with assumptions when it might be better to hang back a bit. Mm -hmm. And let God's spirit talk to us and just walk gently through being salt. Now we're about to hit something which is going to open up a lot of discussion. So what I'd like to do in chapter 10 is just get started. But we're not going to get all the way through the subject of divorce, remarriage here. We're just going to get started. So be with us next week and listen to this unfold. And if you have questions, please send them in info at oursafeharbor.com okay so we ready to go to 10? We're 10 okay Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan again crowds of people came to him and as was his custom he taught them some Pharisees came and tested him by asking is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife what did Moses command you he replied they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. I'm going to stop there, and it's not a natural stopping place. So I'm aware it's not a natural stopping place. Let's talk about the reality of the world for most of our existence. For most of our existence, there was no national government for most of our existence on this planet, 
um, there was no local constabulary, police force patrolling the roads. There, there was no constitution, bill of rights. Um, they have different names for this in other countries. There was none of this. Women were always vulnerable. And they still are, as we saw on October 7th in the horrific massacre in south, southern Israel. They went after the women. They captured the women. And they're still holding, as we're talking today, the women. Um, and the women that have been released have told horror stories of what happened to them. But that was what women went through all over the world because if you weren't married, you had no men to protect you. Well, men in the Middle East, even today, in some areas, can divorce a woman just by saying, I divorce you. Sometimes um, you have to do it three times, say it three times, and it's official. And that's horrific. Now, she's cut, she's out there, and people, you know, why is she cut loose? Why is she, she, she's subject to slavery, to um, violation of her person. Uh, she's what, you know, endangered servitude where someone just grabs her and makes her be a cook or whatever, unless she has family to protect her. Well, Jesus and, and his father were not okay with that. And so if a man had a hard heart and he wouldn't love the wife he had, God said, give her a certificate of divorce because that frees her to marry somebody else. It beats the rumor mill. She can say, I am free to be someone else's wife. And as we see in the Old Testament, that happened a lot. And some of them, those second marriages were incredibly blessed by God. So, first of all, the first divorce law was actually, in, in the people of faith, was made by God. And it was saying, if the heart is so hard, you won't love her. Let her be free to be loved elsewhere. But that certificate of divorce meant she didn't have to leave the community. She wasn't driven out from her tribe and family into the wilderness, uh, suspected of being an adulteress or unclean was the word often used. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, it was God's idea. But Jesus says, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Well, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Well, um, let's talk about this. Is this, um, is this saying, therefore, no divorce? Well, he's going to talk about that later. He's saying God's will is one man, one woman for life. Now, I'll, I'll do the science side of it. Uh, biologically, it takes two people of different genders to make a new person. Uh, and that's a reality. It cannot be changed by surgeries, medication, puberty blockers, any of that. This is biological reality. But also, women have skills that men do not. Our brains are not the same. Uh, while you can way overstate the differences. There are differences in the way that we process even our food, process where we store our fat. And we are different at the cellular level. And the way I put it is this, a little experiment every kid's done. You know, line up something on your finger, close one eye, and then close and, ju- and it looks like your fingers jumped. 
Well, your eyes are set at different angles and slightly different depths, although that's not obvious. And that creates a 3D effect. So we can catch a ball. We can park your car, right? If you lose an eye, it's pretty tough to do either because you'd have no depth perception. Well, you don't just need two eyes. You need another set of eyes. You know, my wife and I, we've been married 44 years. Uh, and I know that you're, you were widowed and you know, you've, you've had a hard time with that and it breaks my heart because I can't function without her. And she tells me never to say this, but I still, I, I still do. And that is, if I lost my wife, I'd have to stop ministry because she's the one that gives me the strength to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I really admire you and your strength. Um, we are supposed to be one person, one person, now two people. And by the way, the one flesh thing, does a lot of people say that means sex. Well, sex is part of it. But no, she can finish my sentences. We, we pretty much agree about things. Because we've been with each other so long, we're not the same people that got married. We're, we're a new thing now. And, and I'll say this one other than hand it to you. Um, have you ever looked in newspapers who reads newspapers right but newspapers are still out there and it will show who's getting married and generally they just show you the picture of the girl but even if it's a girl and, and, and the boy they're, they're a cute looking couple and then wave down here in a corner it'll say 50th anniversary 70th anniversary I say take a look these two look like two different people this looks like the same person They've lived with each other so long. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was God's intention. Now I'm going to pull back and let you talk for now. Because um, I've just been having fun. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> this, this, um, the challenge of the text will be around until Christ comes back again. Uh, um, just because of our struggles in this life. And part of it is the way that we're we're taught most Christian churches are, are taught about this marriage situation from a, a Catholic point of view as a yeah. sacrament. Yes. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not knocking anything. That's just the way it comes in. And when it comes in that way, it gives some power and control in that situation of what can happen to, it takes it away from the love of God and the relationship and moving forward and puts it more in a doctrinal thou shall and thou shall not and go to hell thing. And, um, and that's not where God was sending this at all. Uh, um, as I mentioned earlier, this particular text, because it comes up so early in it, we know, we know he, um, Mark is dealing here with, with the woman, but because of them at this point in time in the Bible and and in what we experience, they're still in many ways second-class citizens. They really were here, um, and really are. But they really were, and uh, and had no rights. And so, when Christ came in, you you notice almost, my fact, not almost instantly, instantly, women took on a whole different role around him. And matter of fact, um, Jesus' ministry pretty much was bankrolled yeah, by about was. four different women. Yeah, you, you know, they're they're the ones that took him, you know, and, and everywhere he wanted to go. Um, but but the thing was, is the equality is what he's getting to. Is everybody is one? He tells them in the feed, everybody is is one. We have to look at each other. 
Well, when you look at society, they, they were taught, they were brought up for, I don't know how many generations before this, that women were treated and, and dealt with a certain kind of way. And that thing had to change. Yeah. And so when Christ comes, it's not going to change overnight, but he started that thing going. They have, they have a right. And, um, and even when you start picking up bits and pieces of Mary and Martha that are running around Jesus, um, you start, you know, they, they were showing up in places learning things that women had never been able to learn before. Right? And so here, it is take care of them. Don't put them in a situation to be um, on the street. Don't put them in a situation to, to lose their dignity, their self-respect, the respect of their family, because... Um, Putting a woman away couldn't mess up her fight of the family. It couldn't do that. What, a, what about the, the, the children and stuff like that? Right. Now, one thing we will have to at some point deal with is now that where we are, um, we have to deal with what happens in legal courts and stuff like that, you know, because that's not what God wanted us to come, to come out of it. Uh, um, but God is pushing us for his love in the marriage. It doesn't mean that struggles won't happen. It doesn't mean that divorce wasn't going to happen, but that he opened up a door for it. Absolutely. And we need to leave it there. Our timer has hit its limit, but we're right in the middle of a discussion. So we're going to pick this up next week. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in seven days.